Carl Wazinski here. You're listening to the Rising as One podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic here, joined by both my co-hosts, Aaron and Kyle. How are you guys doing? It's an absolutely beautiful weekend, spending a lot of time doing soccer-related activities this weekend. Um, a great time to be outside, and uh, just uh, nice to be able to get through the cold weather the past couple weeks and uh, get ready for the beautiful spring that we're used to. Yeah, seriously. And, I mean, for me, it's been, you know, a nice time off from this podcast, even though I wish I could have been here. Um, just, you know, had family commitments and stuff I had to had to get to but um i mean great to be back here actually got to go to the match last night so we have a lot to talk about today yeah and you know just to just to provide a little bit of understanding there um kyle was dealing with uh stuff with his family his grandmother was going through some stuff she recently passed away so um certainly understand that family comes first there yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And actually, so we, we had her um, funeral service yesterday before the match, actually. And um, it was it was a great service, you know, absolute great time. Get to see all my family and then finish the day with Phoenix Rising, my my other family, the family that I really love. <laughs> but um, no, it was you know, it's been it's been a long month. Um, but, you know, this she was diagnosed with cancer 13 years ago and she's been fighting ever since. So to see that battle come to an end and uh, know that she's not in any pain anymore. It's, it's almost a relief. So now we can turn the page and, you know, focus on big and uh, brighter things and, you know, focus on our loved ones. No doubt. Um, well, since you were there at the match yesterday, let's get into that a little bit. Um, beautiful venue, the GCU men's soccer field. Um, home of the only men's soccer program in the state of Arizona. Um, probably like three or 400 fans there. It wasn't crazy like in 2017, which I believe was the first match at the GCU Stadium. Um, kind of chilly last night too, but still a decent crowd, plenty of supporters there. And people are excited because you figure we're going to get a win. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's definitely, you know, an air of excitement. And I mean, you know, for the rising fans, we were just so excited to get to see this team back in action again. I know, you know, the good loyal fans made their trip down to Tucson. I wasn't able to due to work. But um, I mean, you know, GCU, I was actually really impressed. I mean, and, you know, while we love Casino Arizona Field, the first thing I thought when I went there was, you know, this is a nice, you know, bathroom with some nice plumbing that I'm using right now. But, um, I mean, the pitch maybe wasn't the best, but overall the stadium, it was great. Parking was free. I mean, there's really nothing more you can ask for. Everything was all on the arm. Um, and, you know, to get out there on a night, like Aaron said, the weather's been improving. It was it was just a great time. Yeah, and let's, let's get into the starting lineup because Phoenix basically did mass subs at halftime. So you had two... Uh, groups of 11 guys that played the full 90 minutes, uh, 45 minutes each. So the first half was basically our starting defenders um, and a couple potential starting midfielders, and then mostly reserves up top. So you had Lubin in goal, 
um, Kanto and King on the wings, Cochran and Farrell as the center backs, and then uh, Kev Lambert, Aginaga, and a trialist who was named Walter. We were wondering who Walter was. Aaron let us know it was Walter Restrepo, um, a veteran player who's played in Mexico. And Aaron, do you have any other details on that? No, that's what the word was around uh, as I was searching everywhere possible. Um, and while I'm not 100% positive, it is the most likely scenario. Um, Restrepo ha- had a long career. He's been a professional since 2006. I believe he's about 31 years old. Uh, spent a lot of uh, spent his first uh, several seasons in Mexico. Most recently, he's been up here the past four or five seasons. Um, veteran player. I don't know that it's ne- totally necessary, but you know, it's it's uh, everybody deserves a chance, right? I, I mean, I think so. Um, and then we we rounded out that lineup with Santi Moore, um, Joey Calistri, and Lagos Kunga, and. The first 15 minutes, Phoenix had a lot of the possession, was creating a lot of chances. I think they got like five corner kicks just in the first 15 minutes, um, but not able to break the deadlock. Um, their keeper made one or two good saves. He really stopped Joey Calistri on an opportunity that probably should have been in. And then there were other chances where, you know, there was just like a cross that got blocked at the last second or a shot that got blocked. Um, Santi Moore might have had a banger from 30 yards out, but it got deflected out for a corner kick. Um, stuff like that. Like, there was just one pass away. But I will say, Lagos Kunga looked really strong in that first half. And Molari saw some of his potential. And against college kids, Kevin Lambert is just, you know, he's a class above. Um, but Kyle, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, all the players you listed were the ones who really, you know, stuck out to me. Um, I think, you know, Santi Moore, he's been such such a big signing for us. And I said it last night. I think he's he might be our leading goal scorer. After, you know, seeing Flamo in the second half, I definitely, you know, see your argument for him being your, your favorite to score the most goals in Rising Red. But, uh, I mean, either way, these guys on the wings, they're, it's going to be – just ridiculous how they're going to carve up other opposing defenses. Um, but, I mean, really, you know, someone who, as both of me and you talked about when we were at the match, we noticed he didn't maybe start the half the best, but he ended really well, was Jose Aguinaga. He really started to get involved in the play in the midfield and start to, you know, become that guy that he's been throughout um, last season. So, you know, for him to work his way into the match was really good. I think, you know, a lot of these guys were – this is a pretty comfortable starting 11 that we saw maybe a few new faces, but a lot of regulars from last season. Um, the one thing that, you know, stuck out for me was maybe a little bit of rustiness on the defensive side. Um, there are a few chances GCU had that I think, you know, a USL team would definitely finish those. But uh, overall, the first half, it was really good body of work. Um, you know, great to see both these teams actually play a little bit. GCU, I thought, would sit back and defend more, but uh, they actually, you know, came out and let Rising try and uh, expose them, and, you know, they did the same to Rising, so it was fun. To me, this was a tale of two halves. I think the first half was shades of, like, the playoff matches last year against Austin and, to a lesser extent, against Monarchs, where GCU was, after the first 15 minutes, where we were throwing everything at them and couldn't quite find the goal, 
the next 30 minutes, they were very comfortable in their shape <clears throat> and then taking their opportunities to move forward. And you're, you're spot on about a couple chances that a USL team might have made us pay for. AJ Cochran had a little bit of rust yesterday. Um, there were two occasions where he lost the ball in really bad spots. Um, one time Joey Farrell blocked a shot just in the nick of time. And then there was another time where I think someone else was able to catch up to the ball and they, or there was a bad pass or something. So they couldn't get a good shot off, but you can't give USL teams those chances because they're going to lead to goals. So early in the preseason, but Cochran did not do himself any favors from that performance, especially compared to um, the shift that Farrell put in a uh, very solid, very professional shift from him. Um, but otherwise there was a lot of possession, but we were struggling in those last 30 minutes to break through GCU's uh, formation. And that doesn't bode super well. Although you have to take it with a grain of salt because our starting attack minded players didn't come out until the second 45. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you know, that's a great observation because it really did seem like, you know, we had our, our starting back five with Zach Lubin in there and um, up, up front, maybe not, you know, guys that are going to be regulars in the starting 11, except, you know, maybe Kevin Lambert. But um, I mean, yeah, the second half, I mean, we see wholesale changes and I mean, <laughs> You expected goals when you saw these guys coming on the field, but uh, I was surprised by how quickly they came. Yeah, and and even more surprised by the first one. So five minutes in, GCU probably has its five best minutes of the match. They're controlling the ball most of the time. They get a corner kick, and Austin Ledbetter, it looked like he pushed a guy down to the ground. Referee made no mistake and pointed right to the spot, and... You don't always see those get called, but it seemed pretty clear-cut. Rick Schantz didn't look very mad about it, um, although Solo, Asante, and Ledbetter were arguing. But um, but they, they go up 1-0 on a penalty, and we're like, are you serious? And then I think that just woke Phoenix up, because after that, they were just on fire. Um, standout players from the second half, obviously Fleming's ended up with a hat trick. But Solo Asante, you could tell he was on form. He was just creating havoc on the right wing. Um, Jack Barnby was only in for 20 minutes, but he was really solid. Um, Beautiful passing exchanges. He had one with Flemings that set Flemings up on a great run. He also had a great goal later in the half, which we'll talk about. Um, Baccaro with some beautiful balls. And I'm trying to think if anyone else was a real standout. Um... Dadashoff was interesting. He didn't get on the score sheet. He had one chance at the end of the game, which is well saved. But there was a lot of attention on him. And he had a good understanding of the game. He would take up spots, and then it would free up space for other players. Um, But then... then, So, uh, this is your first time seeing Dadashoff, right? Yes. So, I mean... Was he commanding in center? What was it? What was his communication like with his teammates? I mean, were you able to tell sort of how he's um, how he's starting to get some of that rapport going? Uh, um, I mean, I didn't see too much communication, but I, I mean, I know that you know he's putting himself in great spots. Um, I believe on Junior Fleming's first goal, 
Dadashov takes the initial shot. It's, you know, stopped by the uh, the GCU keeper, but the ball's rebounded, and Flemo picks it up and scores from close range. And then, um, actually, the guy who heads on the ball for Barnby's banger as well was Dadashov in the box, heads it back to Barnby, who hits it on that one time. So, I mean, for me, he, he contributed to at least two goals last night, which, you know, from center forward, that's what you want if he's not going to be banging them in himself. And and to be fair, the GCU keeper also had a pretty good save late in the match to keep him off the score sheet um, from close range. Yep. Um, but, I mean, it, it, that was a good performance. One other guy that was listed as a trialist, but a guy with a lot of USL experience is Giovanni Ramos Godoy. He came in midway through the second half to replace Jack Barnby, um, who came off like signaling a possible injury, and he was holding his groin. But then we saw him walking on the sidelines later, so it didn't look too serious. Certainly not the kind of injury where he'd be missing any regular season time from the initial look. But Gio Godoy comes on, and he was electric too. He had an assist. He had a goal um, within the first 15 minutes of coming on the pitch. And he just brought another dimension. He could, he had a, a role as a super sub for Orange County the last two seasons. Um, 31 appearances in 2018, 21 in, in, or 23 appearances last season. So the guy can definitely play at the USL level. And it'll be interesting to see if he gets more looks as the preseason goes on. But certainly not a bad depth option at the forward position where we could use more depth because right now it's just Dadashoff and Kuga. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the another dimension, it was spot on for me. I mean, you know, because Barnby, you know, he's a great player, but for me, he's not going to have the speed that Godoy had out there to where, he, you know, he was just tearing it up on the flank and providing left and right. Um, he really had a great night for himself. And, you know, I, I didn't know that it was Godoy um, before. I didn't even realize he was on trial with us. But now I'll definitely, you know, keep my tabs on him because he's a player that uh, I would not be surprised if he signs and becomes a huge depth signing for us. Yeah, the kind of guy that would be perfect to start a cup match or two. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, we, I mean, after GCU gets that penalty... Seconds later, um, Junior Fleming's equalized at 1-1. And then it doesn't even take long after that for Fleming's to get his second goal on, you know, one of the fun things about preseason and playing at a different venue. Fleming's rounds the keeper and then he shoots it from a tight angle. And it sounded like a, it looked like a defender um, stopped the ball from going in. But then everyone starts celebrating the goal and you find out that the ball actually went in the goal and then exited the goal because <laughs> it's not it's not locked up like ours is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big gaping hole in the back of the net. And I, I was one of those that, you know, I thought it had gone out, you know, <laughs> went through the side netting or something. And um, But, you know, it turns out we did score. We're up 2-1 quick, and, you know, we'll take it. And at that point, I really thought it was on, you know. I, I mean, from what we saw, GCU was going to come out and play in that second half. And, you know, rising was was added as well. Um, it was it was just game on at that point. For sure. Um, and, you know, after that, Phoenix just really puts pedal to the metal, like you were saying. Um, Barnby with, in my opinion, the goal of the match. 
Um, this is on the Phoenix Rising Twitter. This is the one we were talking about before. Uh, Rufat Dadashov heads a ball in the box back towards Barnaby, who one times it from the edge of the box on his left foot. And uh, just it goes right through a defender's legs and then just inside the right post. Beautiful one-time hit. Um, no doubt it would be a contender for USL goal of the week if this was the regular season. Um, just amazing technique to hit a ball like that. And that's the dimension that Barnby brings because he might not get on the score sheet every week. He might not um, contribute with goal or assist every week. But he has that uh, potential for the explosive goal. He has the potential for the banger, if you will. Yeah, yeah, he he really does that and free kicks, like like we me and you were talking about last night. I think he's gonna bring just another dimension to the free kick set pieces. Um, with that left foot, it's it's gonna be fun having him, Bacaro, and you know Solo, whoever else you want to throw out there, um, lining up. So. These these uh, opposing goalkeepers are going to be in for a lot next year. Definitely. Um, Phoenix wasn't done yet. Um, so after Barnby comes off with what looked like a, a minor groin thing, um, Godoy comes in with a pretty nice finish. Then GCU gets a goal. And uh, one thing GCU found some success with yesterday that I'm sure USL teams will try to do against us is just hit us with very quick counterattacks. Um, they would just have one or two forwards, like just red. They would just try to play a long ball and try to get the forwards to chase it, and it it worked. You know, the their second goal, they play a long ball forward, and it's basically a forward versus Corey Whelan, and it was a two on one situation. I mean, the guy could have slid it off for his teammate. But instead, he actually gets past Corey Whelan and puts it in kind of a tight angle from the left side. But it was a very good shot. Um, I don't know if Lubin would have saved it. It certainly wasn't Brandon Keniston's fault for not saving it. But um, Whelan might watch that tape and want to do better on that one. And that's yeah. good. You, yeah. you want to see, see things like that in preseason where even though you're winning, there's still room for improvement. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's these moments are going to happen. Um, but yeah, exactly. I mean, th- when you can be turned into, you know, a learning experience and not, uh, you know, at the at the loss of any points to the team. I mean, this is this is what you want. This is how preseason is. And I, I mean, there's going to be more of these moments playing these MLS clubs. So I, I'm really just looking forward to see how these guys adapt, how they grow from this. Um, because, I mean, in my opinion, we haven't even begun, you know, the difficult part of preseason. Which is coming up really quick. Yeah. <laughs> like a freight um, train. No doubt. <laughs> so the, the match ends, I mean, at this point, Phoenix is pretty in control. Um, the There's still a couple really nice finishes for the match ends. So at 4-2, Godoy on the right wing lays the ball off, and Solo, in vintage Solo fashion, hits it from just outside the box. Um, just with so much pace, over the goalie, off the top crossbar, and in. Um, a pretty filthy finish. I mean, I think Solo's hit one like this before in USL, but it was a beautiful oh, yeah. goal. And uh, 
And then finished off with Flemings getting his hat trick. He had one or two chances that he couldn't quite finish off, but this time very similar to the fourth goal against Tacoma last year where he cuts inside, um, shoots a curler. Pretty vintage Junior Flemings goal, and then he did a skip afterwards. So um, that made it 6-2, and that's what it ended up being is a 6-2 final. Um, Cool match, you know, just kind of neat to be so close to the action and observe things that you wouldn't be able to observe at the Rising Soccer Complex. For example, um, at halftime when it was nil-nil, Joe Farrell was pretty upset. He was, he felt like there weren't enough runners in the box on attacking situations, and he was saying, you know, like, come on, guys, let's get in the middle. Um, he was looking for the the substitutes to come and pick pick things up, and then he was saying, like, don't be afraid to take chances either. Um, I guess Kyle and I, like, we noted that there were times where guys were just making the safe pass back to the defensive midfielder or back to the fullbacks or just sideways and weren't really trying to push the issue in that second half. And then in the second half, people push the issue and good things happen. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I mean, that was that was the coolest part of the match was, yeah, getting to sit behind the bench, which, you know, at, at Casino Arizona Field, I'm always in the supporter section, so I don't get that view and it's never as quiet as it was at that half yesterday. It was, you know, we were able to hear the the conversations going on on the bench, hear Joe Farrell rallying the troops. Uh, it was really cool, really fun. Great to see him, you know, leading the guys. Um, and I mean, overall, it was it was a great experience. I really, you know, like these GCU friendlies, and I hope they continue in the future because, you know, for me, it's actually closer than Casino Arizona Field, so I'll take that. And uh, my favorite thing is free, so. I'm uh, I'm all about it. Just for a sense of what it was like, I mean, there were definitely some banditos, definitely some Red Fury. Here's a bit of audio um, for what the support was like. So pretty good for a preseason match. You know, there were definitely people there. Um, it's a beautiful stadium for college soccer, so... I definitely yeah. want to get out there again. Yeah, it really was. And I haven't been to a GCU, you know, soccer match, um, but I definitely would like to, yeah, get out there because, uh, I mean, a great venue. And like I said, accessibility is great. There's, uh, and you know, what's better than getting to watch some some footy on a Saturday night? I've been deprived for, uh, for too long. Um, so, I mean, no doubt about that. So I think we went through this match enough. Um, Phoenix did have a official preseason match earlier in the preseason. Um, back on Wednesday, January 29th, Phoenix played FC Cincinnati. And Aaron, why don't you tell us a little bit about how that match went down? Well, I don't think it went that well. <laughs> uh, the uh, match did end up uh, with a 3 nothing draw. I mean, I threw a three-nothing loss um, uh, with Cincinnati's Tommy McCabe, uh, Andrew Goodman, uh, Jean-Claude Guayu um, uh, making a uh, making the difference for the former USL side FC Cincinnati. Um, FC Cincinnati's moved up into MLS and has had nothing but train wreck since then. I think they finished last season with. Six 
six wins on the season, maybe four. Um, so they are not, uh, they have not cons- been considered to be anywhere close to in competition uh, with, with the best of uh, MLS at this point. However, I think that they've made some, some relatively decent moves in the, in, the, in the past little while as they've been making attempts to improve. Um, hasn't really shown much in this preseason as they did play Sporting Kansas City as well on February 1st, losing 4 to nothing to them, and then just barely beating El Paso Locomotive on uh, February 5th uh, with a one nothing victory over El Paso. So with El Paso only giving up one goal and us giving up three, uh, I think El- that I- I'm not going to put too much weight on that because, it, of course, it is preseason. And I think at the time that we played FC Cincinnati, our boys had only been in training for three days together. I think they uh, that was a Wednesday match, and their first training session was just the Sunday before that uh, as as a team. And I don't even think it was the whole team. I, I don't think Asante was there yet, and I don't think Dadashev was there yet. So uh, not the greatest result with us for a 3 nothing loss, but if you want to read a nice article in the Tucson Sentinel, Ted Prezelinski uh, did write an article. Yeah. Thanks, Ted. If someone knows Ted, tell him thanks. (laughs) Yeah, tell him thanks for the coverage. It was great to to be able to see. And uh, he did have a chance to discuss the match with Coach Chance, who basically said, hey, look, you know, we showed him everything. He's got some film. There's some good and bad. And he's got all phases of play in all areas of the field. Then he can sit and do some uh, do some analysis. Uh, coach was looking for some combination play, which he didn't see. Uh, but again, they'd only been together for about four days. Uh, but he was able to get to see Santi Moore on the on the field along with Lagos Kunga, uh, who's our year long loan from Atlanta United. Three nothing loss, but still plenty gained. Yeah, and I think. Uh, Junior Flemings had a shot that hit the inside of the post and didn't quite go in for a goal. Um, Zach Lubin had a couple nice saves. And uh, there were definitely some positives from the match. I think one of FC Cincinnati's goals went in off the post. So, you know, bounces go a little bit differently and we're looking at a closer match. So, in any case, you know, a good learning experience so early in training camp. And we'll get to test ourselves against additional MLS competition after the guys have had several more weeks of training. And a nice view of, uh, with uh, Lagos Kunga there as well, uh, having to take the, take the center forward role uh, as opposed to Dadashev who joined the team uh, a couple days later. All good points. Um, there was also a, uh, there was an unofficial match where uh, our trialists gave it a go against Sporting Kansas City even earlier in January. That ended up being a 4-0 win for Sporting Kansas City. Although, again, they were playing a pretty strong first-team lineup for at least the first 30 minutes of that match. And it was a lot of trialists for us. Um, one trialist, who you'll hear from at the end, actually declined the opportunity to play for Phoenix Rising in this match. He would have had the chance to uh, mark Alan Polito of Sporting Kansas City, but he, uh, I guess he wasn't up for the challenge. Um, you'll hear from Tyler Terrence at the end with his experience, but apparently Rick Schantz was giving him the <laughs> chance to go for that. Dude, he was so hyped up. 
well, he, he was hyped up as well as fueled by, uh, uh, fueled by, you know, some, some beer muscles, I think a little bit as well. Uh, but it was, it's great to see Tyler, uh, and, and see him come into our state and, uh, hopefully he won't come back during the entirety of the 2020 campaign. Well, but he's got to come back in the middle of July. Um, there was some clip I saw a couple of weeks ago where soccer announcers in Argentina were doing shirtless broadcasts because it was so hot there <laughs> and they were struggling with the heat. And I'm like, why wouldn't Tyler and Devin want to do that in the middle of July for a dollar beer night? They would, and you know, they would totally do it too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, uh, that's, I mean, I, that's content right there. <laughs> I mentioned Mike Watts in the comments too, and I don't think he was as excited about it. But <laughs> but Tyler and Devin were in. You know, Tyler and Devin are both former players. Uh, Mike, I think, uh, planned at a very early age that he was going to be an announcer. <laughs> well, he's one of the best at that. Absolutely. Um. But that's kind of a good segue to our kit launch, which Aaron and I had discussed, um, but our, our recording disappeared. We had another uh, recording gate. So <laughs> release the tapes. We don't have any tapes to release. But we did talk about the jerseys and uh, our Russia, thoughts on them. Russia and, and Korea, if you're listening, please get our recording back. Russia, get my recording, please. <laughs> Oh man, you can send us emails of the recordings too. It'll be it'll be fine. Um, okay, and that was talking politics. Um, <laughs> but we we did the jersey uh, release, and what were you guys' thoughts on these? The uh, the black one, a little bit different look because they had the uh, red lines on the bottom that represented the supporters. Um, the white one is the Copper State kit. They have the city names on the sleeves. And then our red is pretty much a throwback to 2018's home kit. Um, only difference is there's a little diamond pattern in the middle. Yeah, I wasn't a huge... It, they just don't look different enough for me uh, to care to want to buy one. <laughs> I mean, they do look cool. If you see them up close, it's a little, you know, a little bit... The pattern is a nice little pattern. It's uh, it doesn't hold much meaning. The color is the same color uh, red as we've had before. So uh, I have two two red kits already. The the um, old uh, um, uh, the Mad Descent one and the one with the funky collar. So red is not being purchased by me this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I I like all of them. I think I think they're all great. Um, I mean, me personally, yeah, I'm I'm kind of the classic guy, so I don't feel, you know, the need to go buy the red. I already have, I think, like three or four red Phoenix Rising jerseys. I even have an old Food City United jersey, so I, I'm good on the red. But for me, the black and the white were the highlights of the kits. I really like the idea behind the black. Um, it's really cool. You know, but it's also one of those things that I think, you know, outside people, they won't understand the meaning as much as, you know, those that, that live in the South End um, would. 
But for me, the the copper kit takes it. I mean, you know, being a, a AZ native, desert trash. Um, I mean, this kit it, it's it's makes me proud to represent this state. And uh, I haven't bought it yet, but after seeing Dom's last night, I decided I'm I'm gonna have to. Um, I just need to decide who I'm gonna have to get on the back now. Yeah, I think I'm gonna. Uh, I haven't done the custom the uh custom back yet but i'm I'm gonna be waiting on that um if we win a usl title maybe i'll do it at that point but um that kit was just too cool i had to get it at the event with that little 15 percent discount um and i i think to me i'm with you the white one takes the cake usually i'm not the biggest fan of white but you know these ones were a major upgrade from the old white kits and I think I'd put it the same way as you. I Some people didn't like the black, which was interesting. I felt like the black was the most polarizing based on Twitter reactions. But mm-hmm. to me, I liked the idea. I liked that it was the South End that they were paying tribute to um, with those red lights. And uh, when they explained it as like, this is really for you guys without you guys. What, you know, what are we doing here? Um, I thought that was a neat touch. So. I put that above the reds, but I know a lot of the traditionalists out there will say it's such a clean red kit, and the pattern makes it better than the other red ones. I don't know. I, you know, I'm with you guys. I already have red too, so I'm not gonna get this year's. But it's, it's a clean kit. There's nothing wrong with it. But I mean, it, it just kind of shows the mastery of the team in itself because. The whites that we've had have been very poor. Yes. Most people wanted to buy the red a couple red for the first season because that was the primary color. Then last year we had the black kits, which were you know the the copper black and copper kits that were just crazy good. And this time they put the effort into the white kit. So the white kit is going to be draining ninety five dollars plus personalization. Um, I'm not sure what I'm putting on the on the back yet. If I'm giving my the, the my nickname given to me by Dominic, you know, it could be erroneous on the back, um, or, or it might be my Twitter and Facebook handle. I'm not sure, but we'll have a vote on that later in the season. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the I, I see a bet coming on for that big time. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I, they're they're all great, and I I mean, I'm with you guys on all these. Uh, really, you know, I just I need to pull the trigger and buy this white one. Um, but uh, ultimately, I mean, the the effort that goes into it is so great to see. And you know, most teams don't get three new kits every year. We haven't even gotten that in the past. So yeah, it's gonna be great. And really, I think you know, so many clubs when they see our road kit, they're gonna be envious and say, "Shit, this team's road kit looks better than our home kit." And you know, that's pretty cool. Hey man, that's that's what we're going for. So, um, so I think I think the consensus among us at least is white, black, red. Yes, sir. Aaron, how about you? Yeah, absolutely. It goes white, black, red, hundred uh, percent. I'm looking forward to to actually picking up the white kit for. Uh, uh, for the preseason, I got to figure out if, if Eli is going to get himself a get himself a jersey uh, because the two the the jersey that he does have is the most expensive piece of clothing that 
he owns. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, hey, you know, hopefully there is a preseason sale that may take place uh, for some people. And then everybody else will cry and bitch that they already bought their jerseys. But, you know, whatever. Well, I think that's enough kit talk for, for today. We'll get to see them in action once the regular season starts. But I think uh, a couple other things to discuss before we get off this episode. Um, you know, three big preseason matches coming up against the MLS squads. The big boys are coming to town. Um, the crew are coming into town on February 15th. It's going to be Sporting KC, the return of Amadou Dia on February 19th, that's a Wednesday, and then on the 22nd, we're going up against Real Salt Lake, and uh, all three of those teams should be playing pretty strong first-team lineups for at least part of those matches. Um, which match of those three are you guys most excited about, and which ones are you planning on going to? I'll go ahead and take that one first. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm planning on going to all three, actually, so I... I didn't originally, as you know, all season ticket holders, didn't have tickets to that Sporting KC match. And being on a Wednesday night and uh, me and my girlfriend having to wake up early for work now, I was, you know, thinking, well, maybe maybe I'll just sit at this one out, watch it from home. It's likely, you know, that being in the, the Visit Tucson Cup that this match gets streamed somewhere. So, um, But then once Amadou Dia signed with Sporting KC, I bought my tickets that day just because... I wanted to be able to see him get some minutes um, with KC, and uh, I really can't wait. That's the match I'm most excited for, just for that reason. But, um, I mean, all of them I'm just as excited for, just because I'm ready to uh, to get the season back going. It, last night was was so great, but uh, I'm ready to be back at our field. Yeah, for me, being so involved kind of on the youth side, um, I really like it when we have a lot of kids at games at matches. I think that, that Phoenix Rising versus Real Salt Lake game is going to uh, have a mass of RSL Arizona uh, kids who are going to be at that particular match. Hopefully it'll give them a really good example about what uh, what the beautiful game looks like. Um, but anytime that we have a chance to beat RSL in anything, that's the one that I want to be at. Yeah, that's, that's always a, a fun match. Those matches always are hotly contested. And uh, I think the fact that there are so many RSL Academy kids there, that's always a spot of ire for Phoenix Rising fans. Um, and it, it makes it a good atmosphere. Um, although for me, I think the one I'm most excited with is, I'm, I'm with Kyle on this, seeing Sporting KC and seeing what kind of reaction there is for Amadou Dia coming back. I'm planning on covering that match for Firebird and writing up a piece about Amadou Hopefully we'll get the chance to interview him and get a pretty good interview for that weekend's episode um, because I really want to do a deep dive about his process um, trying to get back into MLS. Those of you that might not know, he was with Sporting Kansas City before coming to Phoenix Rising, um, but it had been quite a while. He'd been with Phoenix Rising since June 2017, and I think he was out of MLS even before that. Um, and so now he finally gets the chance to go back. I just want to get a deep dive with him about what that process was like, what he loved most about Phoenix. And um, I'm sure that the supporters are going to have some sort of TIFO or something. Um, I can't wait to see the kind of standing ovation he gets when he's 
brought on and then subbed out. So, although it's interesting because if Adam John was still on Phoenix Rising, I might have been most excited about the Columbus match. But yeah, on, that's true. With him being on Atlanta now, that that kind of takes a little bit out of the sales. Although I know there are a couple Rising fans that are big Crew fans. Uh, Justin Bieber comes to mind, so they're gonna have fun with that one. Yeah, I mean this should be good. And in, in realistically, just looking, you know, at the quality of each MLS side, I think Columbus gives us the best chance to to get a win. Um, so you know, you got to be excited for that too, especially off of Rising's last match. Hopefully, they come into that match, and uh, yeah, I'm sure it won't be six two, but I'm hoping they can, you know, stay competitive and maybe get the win. Yeah, those will definitely all be fun ones. Um, another thing that we haven't talked about on a on this show for some time is FC Tucson. FC Tucson has made a lot of moves this offseason. Um, some familiar faces returning, like Cody Wakasa. Um, some new guys, like Roberto uh, Saez. He was announced officially with FC Tucson. Um, Aaron, do you have any more details on what's going on down in Tucson? Yeah, so we have, uh, I mean, look, the purpose of a League One team, in our case, is for development. So there's a lot of names that I definitely don't recognize, uh, but we do have some good names that that, uh, that people may be familiar with. For example, Raheem Summersall uh, signed with the team. He This is his second season with, with the squad, so he's returning. Uh, Cody Wakasa, I believe... Cody Wakasa at this point is the longest standing player uh, for the, within the Phoenix Rising infrastructure. So he's been with the team since uh, uh, been with Phoenix Rising since the 2017 season. Uh, played 2017-2018 at the parent club, 2019, and uh, this year he's going to be with FC Tucson. So. Uh, your long your your piece of uh, trivia now is that uh, is that Cody Wakasa is the longest tenured player with the Phoenix Rising family. Uh, also on the team, still carrying over from last year, is Ramon Howell, very talented player out of Jamaica, uh, and Jordan Jones actually stays with the team. Joining those players, uh, Keenan Weeks, uh, Itai Tavares. Eddie Tavares, Guillermo Delgado, Luis Martinez, Karsten Hanlon. Uh, Hanlon, I believe, is a, this is his second year with the squad as well. Uh, Carlos Marancia, Zach Wright, R- Rafael Guerrero, Eric Virgin, uh, Robert Alarcon, and, uh, uh, and then the new players are Robert Alarcon, uh, Charlie Booth, Josh Cohen, not Josh Cohen, Josh Cohen, uh, C-O-A-N, he's a, for, uh, a forward. And uh, Charlie Dennis, Naya Logue, and Giovanni Magana Riviera. Uh, so a lot of core group staying with this team, and just kind of shows that uh, Phoenix Rising family, the entire family, doesn't they they like to have multiple year players, and that's kind of strange and kind of different for uh, this league, uh, for a Division Two league anyway. And, and one other interesting thing that's off the field for FC Tucson, well, a couple things, actually. Um, they get a new head coach, John Gallus, but probably the biggest storyline coming down from FC Tucson is 
Um, Amanda Powers becomes the club's first ever president. Um, she was the chief operating officer for New Mexico United previously. And I believe she's one of the first, she's the second ever female club president in U.S. men's professional soccer history. Um, and Bobby Dooley had some great things to say about her in the press release. She's, he said, Amanda brings the right level of dedication to this team and a unique skill set skill set that will serve this community well her background in marketing and community activism coupled with her business acumen and league specific experience are exactly what this club needs i mean and just just a couple other really kind of interesting things about fc tucson is that from a development standpoint it it really uh they've had some really great success because they've had guys like uh donnie toya come through Aaron Long of the men's national team came through FC Tucson. Uh, our very own John Baccaro spent a season with FC Tucson uh, with Coach Chance before uh, being signed and then returning back with us uh, with with the uh, senior club. So uh, definitely some great things to see. If you have a chance to go, go see them down in Tucson, um, it's probably the only good thing in the entire city. <laughs> Hey, man, oh, their Sonoran dogs are good, too. <laughs> oh, Aaron, I love that you said that. I was just going to say, I, I, yeah, I, so I went, I don't know if I, if I ever told you guys this. I went to U of A for my first semester of college freshman year. I'm so sorry to hear that. And I moved home by December of that year. <laughs> and I and have not been back to Tucson since. In that was now nine years. <laughs> So, I, I I do if I plan on going to Tucson, it is for one of these matches though. I wanted to go down for for the cup this year actually, and but like uh, like Dominic, I'm disappointed there was no Phoenix Rising matches scheduled down there on the weekend because I was actually gonna break break my uh, my ban on Tucson for for Phoenix Rising, but uh, I guess it'll continue now. <laughs> no, savage. I. I know. I would. I would like to get down there for a Ford Madison match. I haven't seen when they have that scheduled for this season, but uh, that I would like to go see. Okay. So uh, before the FC Tucson season starts, we'll get either Stephen Hernandez or Mark Murray, who's part of the League One Fun podcast, to talk a little bit more about what's going on in Tucson and give a more in-depth season preview and. Give some selling points as to why you should go down for a match. So we'll definitely get more of that FC Tucson coverage into your guys' veins. But that's what we got going on down there so far. Last but not least, the magic of the Open Cup. So the first two rounds of the U.S. Open Cup were revealed. Um, Round two is where Phoenix Rising enters the competition. And Phoenix Rising will play the winner of... um, FC Golden Force, based out of Whittier, California, and FC Arizona, who is now playing their matches in Chandler. Um, this is not the FC Arizona ownership of old. Gilbert, actually, they, but yes. Oh, uh, well, same difference when you get done. Yeah, there. same thing, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll talk about FC Arizona. <laughs> I, I know nobody else wants to talk about it, so, yeah. Um, But... You know, thankfully, we found out that regardless of who wins that round one match, which is going to be in California, 
um, that winner will play at the Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex. So it's a home match regardless. Um, and round one happens on March 24th and 25th. Round two is April 7th through the 9th. And our match will be on April 8th. And that'll be a 7 o'clock kickoff. If we win that match, the third round happens on uh, happens between April 21st and 23rd. So pretty quick turnaround between rounds two and three, and then the competition spreads out more as you get deeper into the into the swing of it. Um, but really, a pretty favorable draw because all we have to do is beat uh, a non-professional team or a semi-professional team, and then we could host an MLS team in round three. 11 MLS teams enter at that stage this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that there's a little bit concern about where that schedule falls. And we, we chatted about that a little bit beforehand, immediately before. Obviously, a midweek game is tough, but it's a midweek game coming off of a travel match. Um, so, Kyle, I know that you, when we were, before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about that. Tell me your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's always a concern. I mean, we saw it last season with, you know, both St. Louis and New Mexico United who made Open Cup runs. Um, And, you know, we were looking at it that first match, whether we take on FC Arizona or or Golden Force, it'll be – it was between Tulsa on the road and SC Loyal at home, which, uh, I mean, you know, those two are both going to be, I think, you know, difficult matches – um, still not exactly sure what we're going to get out of either because, you know, they're both basically brand new teams, but, uh, I, I still, I think, you know, that's going to be interesting. We haven't had great history in the past with, uh, with, you know, semi pro clubs, um, coming up against us. We've been cup set quite a bit. So that one for me really sticks out round two. To be fair, we haven't, um, you know, the one time we got cup set by a real low team, that was on the road. 2017, uh, the Deltas were at the same level as us. We were both three D3 clubs at that time, and they ended up winning NASL that season before disbanding. Deltas, man. Deltas. Yeah, that one was the real heartbreaker, too, because I didn't even know how it happened from the south end. You couldn't even really see what went on. But... uh yeah, man. No, but I, I mean, it's going to be fun. I mean, I realistically, this team should not get cup set. Me and Dom talked about it last night. We have two very strong starting 11s that, uh, I mean, they will they will com- compete. And uh, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm excited for it. I think this year, more than ever, we're poised to make an open cup run and, and be able to have something come from it. But, uh, I mean, I'm always weary of it just because, I mean, New Mexico United was, you know, the talk of town. Um, before they uh, they went on that great run, and it really did impact their season, and it's something that you don't want. I don't want to lose the league, or give up the league, I should say, um, just to have an Open Cup run. Yeah, it's definitely a concern, but hey, you know, it's, it's one of those things, and to be honest with you, there's not a... I mean, there's bragging rights to being a Western Conference champion. There's bragging rights to having the best record. But next to winning the USL Cup, uh, having the deepest run in uh, in the Open Cup, 
is probably the best bragging right that you can have. Uh, I just think that there others. There's just, I mean, look, this league is huge, right? It's gigantic. We we have mm-hmm. so many teams playing in the USL. We have as many teams in the Western Conference as many professional leagues have at an entire division level. Uh, so it's hard to stand out. It's hard to differentiate yourself. But if you can get a deep open cup run where you're able to play one, you know, maybe beat one and, and play another MLS team really shows that that is something that people will talk about forever. You know, being third place in the Western Conference, everybody's going to forget about. But that one year that we went to the, the sixth round, you know, or we went to the quarters or the round of eight or something like that. I mean, that that is huge. Yeah, I mean, look at it this way. I mean, last season, Fresno finished second in the West, and New Mexico barely made the playoffs, but they were both out of the playoffs right away. You'd probably rather have New Mexico's season because of how great that Open Cup run was and because they were able to beat two MLS teams on the road. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that lives on for years and years. Um, but you don't, you don't want it to totally derail your season had had new mexico missed the playoffs maybe you're looking at it in a much different way um you'd probably have to ask a st louis fan whether their quarterfinal run was worth it because they didn't even make it over birmingham last season which is a pretty tough thing to do (laughs) to not even uh finish ahead of birmingham at the table so Yeah, no, and Aaron, I'm with you. I mean, if we could make a run for it and, yeah, like you said, get get to that historic level, then, I mean, I'm all for it. Like you said, that, that opportunity only comes around once in a rare while, whereas, you know, we're we're in the league every year. But um, it, it's it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm just looking forward to, you know, as many matches as possible. I've been I've been too deprived, so I'm, I'm just ready to uh, to get back out there to cheering this team on. I also, if anyone in the Phoenix Rising uh, sales department or in marketing is listening, I have a little pitch for you guys. Because um, I was <laughs> I was rereading some of the stuff about Dollar Beer Night, and really it started because we were getting low attendance for midweek matches. Do mm-hmm. something fun for the Open Cup home matches, because the, yes. the, the match against New Mexico last year was phenomenal. Like, the quality of play in that match was better than the majority of USL matches last season. I would put that quality of play up against some playoff matches last season. Um, But there were only like 2,500 people there to watch it. Maybe make it like a dollar, maybe if you can't do a dollar beer night, like a a White Claw Wednesday or something, like $2 White Claws, or do something fun so that you can at least get a more respectable crowd out there because, you know, the, the players are going for it in the open cup. They don't know the difference and it's, it's really high quality stuff. I'm with you. White, I'm with you. 100%. White Claw Wednesday. I like that. You are just uh, <laughs> really going for Sam, Sam's old job there, aren't you? <laughs> hey, no loss when there's white claws. <laughs> Especially not on tribal land, right? <laughs> They have their own set of laws. I don't, I don't even know what what that's all about. I, I couldn't I couldn't read them. 
<laughs> the laws say no tailgating. That's that's the only law that I that I've learned <laughs> in the past couple of years. Well, rules are meant to be broken, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean seriously, guys, like, dude, because especially in that round two match, if there's nothing special about that match, I know they they made it like five dollar tickets for season ticket holders, but they got to do something because it'll also help Phoenix make money, like generate revenue. But they really yeah. should do something fun for those open cup matches so they aren't just like two thousand people showing up. Absolutely, I'm with you. I mean, you got to spend a little money to make money, and I'm sure there's some some promotion that they could uh, they could run to where yeah they could they could at least double attendance. Um, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe uh, everybody gets a corn dog or something. They need some Jackie Moon promotion for this. That would that would be what makes it right here. Something something. Um. Any last thoughts before we wrap this one up? Um, I mean, you guys brought it up. I mean, Sam Dorr, I actually want to talk about, you know, the the Phoenix Rising night. I was there this past Tuesday. And, um, I mean, this – I don't know if you guys watched the game or, or what you've really heard about it, but uh, it was so cool. Yeah, I, I saw the players notice. I saw um, Antti Ranta, the keeper – shouted out the fans for uh, the amazing chanting going on. Um, I wasn't able to make it out there, but it's the only time the Yotes have won lately, so let's just have it yep. happen every match because <laughs> Lord knows they need all the help they can get. Yeah, yeah there, no, it was... there's definitely a lot of kudos that were going around. I had a friend of mine who was, who was a, a primarily hockey fan, and they definitely noticed uh, what was going on. So it's, were those the bunch of yahoos that were that, that kept yelling <laughs> that were yelling and chanting? I'm like, yep, those are my friends. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it, it definitely had an impact on the uh, on the game. It has now spurred on the creation of the Arizona Rabbids, uh, which is going to be the Phoenix Coyotes supporter group made up of. Uh, primarily, it looks like uh, Banditos uh, Banditos members who are going to be. Uh, invading the Coyotes arena for, for the remainder of the season here. Uh, so, hey, good on them. And uh, the more we can share culture and get some crossover, that's that's absolutely fantastic. I'm glad you brought that up, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was so cool being there and getting to see it. And, I mean, it just, you know, walking around the stadium, there was, you know, a lot of rising fans, a lot of familiar faces, but also a lot of new faces that I saw, a lot of people with those scarves. And, uh, I mean, just a, such a great promotion that, you know, Sam Dorr um, was all over this, had, you know, had his fingers all over it. And it really, you know, it was so cool to see, you know, some of our players be there. Zach Lubin and John Baccaro were actually, you know, doing stuff with Howler and uh, the Coyotes host all night um, doing interviews. It was it was really cool. And I hoped I just hope to see more of it. This relationship between these two, you know, professional clubs here in the valley that, you know, they don't get the spotlight. I think from the media, they get ignored because they're maybe not the most uh, popular sports here. But I, I think really, you know, what both of these teams have been doing have been great, and they're really on the up, and their fan bases are just so fun to be a part of. Yeah, thanks again for uh, mentioning that, Kyle. For some reason, that just slipped my mind, but. That was absolutely a huge thing. Um, 
and you could see the how many rising fans made it out there for that and uh i'm definitely planning on getting out to a match or two before the season's all said and done um i heard that february 29th is going to be a big one that's a saturday yep. as well so that might be one that i need to get out to yeah that's that's actually what i was going to tell you is i heard that one as well i'm not sure who they who they play that day let me see real quick it's the 29. Sabres, so it's not a big rivalry match, but no, no, but it should made. be a good game. It should be a good game, and uh, I mean, it, it really is fun. If you've never been to a hockey game, it's it's a great time, and if you have been, the atmosphere it, it will be electric. Well, that brings up another action or uh, possible activity on February 29th. Um, and that is everybody's favorite FC Arizona playing against Albion's Albion Soccer Club San Diego. Uh, that is going to be the FC Arizona and NPSL season opener. Uh, FC Arizona is now going to be moving out to Campo Verde High School down right by my house. Um, I was thinking about having a little party at my house, but my wife has kiboshed that already. Um, so <laughs> Campo Verde High School, if you're down in the Southeast Valley, you want to support local soccer like I do. Uh, Take a look at the FC Arizona site. You can see their schedule, but their first match on Saturday, February 29th. If you're not going to be ahead of the Coyotes game, because it takes an hour and a half from the far East Valley where I live, <laughs> then uh, go to the FC Arizona match. I think their season tickets are all of uh, 75 bucks, and that's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight or nine matches. Not a terrible deal. Not, not bad at all. And I think it includes a scarf. So the new nice. and uh, I guess you, you might call it an addition by subtraction. Uh, <laughs> the new, the, yes. The new and improved yes. FC Arizona. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, uh, for me, you know, I, I didn't have, you know, too many bad experiences um, with the old ownership group, but I, I know all about it. And I'm I'm really just looking forward to seeing you know where this club goes. I mean I'm all all with uh, giving you know giving another chance and you know turning a new leaf. And I think that's what this club's going to do. I'm really looking forward to it. The new and literally not the worst FC Arizona. Audio <laughs> Scott Taylor. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, if you want to check out some uh, some youth soccer. The President's Day tournament, I guess, is a huge thing. Um, I've put into put into referee uh, part of that tournament, but uh, the President's Day tournament is going to be coming up this weekend uh, or this this next weekend. Uh, I believe that there's a, a DA level two for uh, the Development Academy stuff. So uh, you probably can hit just about any public park in the East Valley, uh, whether it's Reach 11 or Paloma or um, Pecos or whatever and be able to see some youth soccer going on. And I'll tell you, I refereed a U8 match yesterday, and that stuff's entertaining, dude. I mean, it doesn't even have to be your kid. It's just fun and funny at times, um, and uh, it's great. So, you know, head out to a park, get some fresh air, and uh, cheer on a team you don't even know about yet. And and now that everyone knows where Aaron's going to be that Monday, they can go (laughs) heckle him. (laughs) <laughs> well i'm not sure where i'm not sure number one if i'm even going to get assigned and where i'm going to be assigned but i will put it up there 
And anybody who wants to come heckle me running the sidelines, um, I refereed, uh, I AR'd yesterday, and my team was made up of like two 17-year-old kids and me. Uh, yeah, it's like, um, I don't know, two teens and a baby. Because <laughs> uh, I, I need to make sure I point the flag the right direction at times. Uh, you know, I'm just too old. I forget. <laughs> I, I might have to I might have to take you up on that heckling thing one of these days. <laughs> I I did get a Are you kidding me? And I was like, Oh yeah, I pointed it the wrong way. All right, and I changed I switched decision. <laughs> <laughs> well that means you'll That's get certified right. to do USL in no time. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say, you're good enough for pro. <laughs> you know, um, those match or the second match, I was observed by um, uh, the whole team was observed by uh, by a mentor from the U.S. U.S. Soccer Referee Development Program. They were not looking at me. I know that for sure. Uh, but he gave me some good pointers, and it was really great to be out there and and uh, for my first paid gigs and uh, have somebody actually you know give me some pointers and, and refresh my memory and make sure I'm doing things right. So yeah, I, I feel good going forward, even with the are you kidding me? <laughs> no, <Nice>. that's great. <laughs> All that's right. Awesome. Well, I think we'll wrap it up on that. Um, thanks, guys, for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with more preseason recaps, and uh, we'll really start ramping things up into the season after that. Yeah, I can't wait. Like I said, I'm I'm looking forward to the you know these preseason matches. We're we're so fortunate to have you know three MLS clubs um, coming through here, so uh, it's gonna be a good time. All right, guys, uprising. 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 The Rising is One podcast is sponsored by the Arizona Sports Complex, home of the North Phoenix Soccer League, Summer Futsal. Box Lacrosse League, and Summer High School Advanced League. Please visit the Arizona Sports Complex and tell them the Risings One podcast sent you. This episode is brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Gold Press. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items just yourself and your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price from other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Thanks also to the Beautiful Game Network and all the other excellent podcasts that you can find covering soccer and all things USL. Dominic here with Rising as One, and we got a special guest, Phoenix Rising trialist, Tyler Terrence. <laughs> is that what, is that my title now? Phoenix Rising trialist is not even play-by-play guy, it's Phoenix Rising trialist. Well, That's got, what it's become. you got to add something to the CV, you know? There diversify you your resume. Yes, diversify the portfolio. That's what my H&R Block guy is constantly telling me. Add that to your LinkedIn bio. Yeah, 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 sure. No, um, no, it was a lot of fun today. Um lot of you know there was a lot of people um i would probably take a gander like 75 to 80 um you know they just broke us up you know we got through a warm-up with steve which was great rambo took us through some technical stuff and then we just broke up and played 5v5 for like an hour and a half and 
a lot of good, a lot of good talent, um, some not so great talent, and then I kind of fell somewhere in the middle. But it was no, it was a, it was a lot of fun, and and you know, like I, I knew that Phoenix Rising fans were going to get 250 likes. There was no doubt in my mind that I was going to be here at this tryout. I wanted to because you know, while I'm still relatively young, I, I want to be able to have these types of experiences and. You know, if anybody goes to my Instagram story, they'll find that Rick and Rambo and everybody said that my name was circled and they wanted me for Sporting Kansas City on Saturday. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, I have a job that is taking, pulling me in a couple of different directions right now. But it, it was a great experience. Did you and Rambo bond over your hatred of keepers? Um, no, not necessarily a hatred of keepers. Our, our, our love for banter and, and ripping on one another. That's, that's what Rambo and I bond over. Not our hatred of keepers, no. And a lot of people thought that I was trying out as a keeper for some reason. I don't know where that came from. I'm not Adam Waltz, but, you know, like, more or less, I was I was going out as an outside back, left back specifically. Slightly serious question. How is Rising going to start all these midfielders? You know, it's really interesting. I just was talking to Bobby Dooley, the general manager, about all this, and I don't want to go too in-depth, um, but at the same time, they're just going to create an unbelievable atmosphere for practice, right? And when you talked, when, when when reporters would talk to Michael Jordan after the fact with the, with that Chicago Bulls team that won however many championship rings, they always said their practices were much tougher than games, and that's why it was so easy for them. And I think that you're going to find that again this year with Phoenix. And it was the same thing last year, but there's going to be international windows, injuries. You never know what's going to come up, and having more talent than not is never a bad thing. And they will figure out a way to get it done. And and like what Bobby told me, there's not just good midfielders, good defenders, good forwards. There's just good soccer players on the roster, and they can play different positions. Excuse me. Any final thoughts before we get back to this jersey reveal? Final thoughts? Well, I have final thoughts, it's January. We still got, we got a whole season to go. Final thoughts are this. Number one, I could have a Phoenix Rising contract if I really wanted. I turned it down, though. I didn't want to embarrass anybody, you know, namely Joey Farrell, um, you know, all those guys. It was on Contour, um, Corey Whelan. Secondly, I'm excited to see these kids. I've heard nothing but great things about these kids. Sam Dorr, of course, who left Phoenix, has told me these kids are fire. They're his baby. I'm excited to see them. Let's rock and roll. All right, and we'll get your retirement ceremony going in a few years. <laughs> get your jersey in the rafters. I'm like Derek Jeter. I'm going to be almost unanimously voted into the Phoenix Rising <laughs> Hall of Fame. Right, thank you, Tyler.